you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Okay. All right. Good morning. So I thought you went to Baltimore, not New Zealand. Oop, I can hardly hear you. Let me see if I've got... Be partly me. I think this mic... You might have your volume way down. Yeah, yeah. Still can't hear me? I got my volume cranked up here, or my speaker volume. All right, let me make sure I'm hooked up. Yeah, that's the microphone. How's that? That's better. <laughs> so, I thought you went to Baltimore, not New Zealand. <laughs> so I, what I wanted to remember to mention was the Mensa has a thing called the IBD, on the International Board Directorate or something like that, and they moved that meeting around the year. And have a friend in Australia named Kimberly that really pushed for us to come visit and see the IBD in Perth next year. And one of the things she mentioned in particular was that besides the meeting, they do excursions. And of course, there's things in Australia like wombats and kangaroos and quokkas right. and stuff like that you don't see anywhere else. And of course, there's seven of the 10 most venomous things on the planet. Yeah, I was going to say, and everything else wants to kill you. You <laughs> can worry about that a little bit, but so... As Colleen's retired, and and as we start talking about what are our trips, we got this cruise and that trip to Canada and stuff like that. Let me turn on night shift because I'm glary here. Yeah, I there. look a little red today, but whatever. I didn't shave either, so it's fine. I, uh, <laughs> there, that should be better. Yeah, as if, yeah, I was worried about the light on my face, not this ridiculous shirt. But anyway, <laughs> so, so how was your, like, we haven't, we had to skip last week. Two weeks. Exactly that. Big events for you? Big, wonderful. Um, I wouldn't say huge, big events. I went to fireworks. We like to go to Packard Music Hall yeah. for the fireworks. They do a nice song thing. I think I've talked about before in fireworks. And one of my buddies, dad is always there. So it's like our yearly thing. And I haven't seen him for a couple of years because I haven't gone. So I found him and he's, oh, you made it this year. I was wondering if you're going to be there. It's just, it's, this is that little thing. But uh, while we were walking out, I'm looking at the big billboard and I yeah. see Collective Soul pop up. And I'm like, oh, when are they showing? I'm like, oh, it's tomorrow night. And they had tickets for good price. And I'm like, all right, click. So Come back down. Okay. Very yeah. Good. So I don't know if you've listened to much Collective Soul. You might have heard the couple pop tunes they had on the radio. Actually, I really like them, but they seem to have dropped off the face of the earth for 10 or 15 years. I, at least they weren't touring. They weren't doing right. things that I, you know. They really haven't, because when you go look, they've had an album out every couple years. I think they just, they got where they wanted to be, and it wasn't as big a deal for them, is what I'm guessing. Three of the original members are still there. Two of them have changed several times over the last 25 years. Okay. But I love Collective Soul. I've got all the albums. All the albums they've released, not all of them they actually released on CD. So there's okay. negativity uh, in my mind. But it was a good concert. It was fun. I really enjoy Collective Soul. I've liked them a lot. It harkens back to my doom and heretic days, listening to them while I'm hunting down exactly. figures and stuff. They had a very heavy sound. It was Shine, I think, was their yeah. biggest. And that had one of those big chorus and then the crunch of... Uh, not quite a power ballad, but it had good energy to it. 
I, and I really do like them. I've never seen them in concert. I wouldn't have helped to, to find that out because we were out of town. But now that I know that they're occasionally touring, I can put them on my tickler list. Yeah. With different ticket places and stuff it, like that. It was really a good concert. I'm glad I went. And like you said, that's what they have. It, almost every song has that catchy guitar hook, that thing that just yeah. earworms into your brain. Exactly. Uh, and I, I mentioned on the post I put, they just have, a, they love their fans and their fans love them. They're very interactive with the fans at the concert and the people were singing over top of the band at times. It was just a love fest. I love very that, much exactly. so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> other bands were, and not only did I like their radio friendly hit, but remember a band called Stabbing Westward? Counting Crows that seemed to have maybe not just a flash in the pan, not just one year, but they were around for five or 10 years. And then they went on to other things or the market just wasn't kind to them or whatever. I really liked the Thompson twins, a guy named Tom yeah. Bailey. He did various other things after that. And even more, maybe like Drony Tech or something like that. And so that, but that particular thing, them and Tears for Fears really made great, more complex pop stuff. It wasn't just gumball. It was really good. And yet, uh, I and maybe also MTV bands somehow yeah. when MTV faded today, you know what I mean? So without the aggressive visuals and stuff like that, like in well, in excess lost their lead singer, and that can take the wind out of your sails a <laughs> just lot. a bit. <laughs> yeah, but they had half a dozen albums, every one of which yielded two or three hits. In concert, you're gonna get two to three hours of great music, and just that I there's a whole, this is a whole discussion of what happens with bands like that. Where is it the one guy that's the main singer songwriter? He pulls back like Jeff Lynn did from ELO. There was actually an ELO too, where members of the band were continuing to play the music in concert, but Jeff Lynn wasn't involved. So it didn't sound quite the same, but ELO tunes are so good that I didn't mind seeing ELO. <laughs> Speaking right. of, there's a band coming this fall and they're going to be at Blossom, but okay. pavilion tickets are like 140 bucks. But they're also going to be down at the Pittsburgh PPG arena and tickets are only like 40 bucks. So I'm like, I guess I might travel. Yeah. It's Duran is coming. See, I really like them. And so do fact, I. A couple of years ago, I filled in my collection where I hadn't, I was current when they were coming out again, another MTV band, but then they kept putting out really quite good albums. A half yeah. dozen after that. And I didn't have them all. And in fact, they're one of those bands. I'm trying to think of the name of the song perfect world or something like oh, that. oh i love that yes like, but what's funny is that's from the 90s somebody asked the question one time like what's a really good song that you don't think it's the band that you think it is but to me that doesn't sound like duran and yet right. it's really got good crescendo building aspects to it and stuff like that so i, I yeah right pose that question to colleen and she doesn't like him as much so we weren't going to do the blossom show and because of the cost now that i know that there's a 40 dollar option Maybe I can convince her to, hey, let's go to Pittsburgh. You can get something for Panini Brothers, and I can go see Duran. And Duran definitely is one of those bands that I think have much deeper musicianship than they're giving credit for. They're that poppy dance band, but they're really not. Even their popular songs aren't necessarily poppy dance songs. They're, they're, they yeah. have a fine transition line. They walk. And I've always liked Duran Duran's Seven and the Ragged Tiger. That album was just fantastic. Exactly. And in fact, it's funny because there aren't any number of bands that I really don't care for because they are too simplistic. They got a little 
like whatever 16 key keyboard and you're there you're tainted love that's it that's all they have flock of seagulls is one guy with one finger oh my god that video for flock of seagulls the whole time he's sitting there with one finger going like this like I'm all tough and i'm like oh what are you doing you look like a moron he just one finger and then he goes and hits another key <laughs> so when synths became available cheaply there was all yeah. kinds of bands like that human league flock of seagulls that just i don't know they didn't have much going on but instead of being punk they went the other direction I, yeah. I, oh, i'm I surprised just... yes didn't replace wakeman with that guy from flock of seagulls <laughs> exactly but wait for that searing solo anyway <laughs> i did that jokingly so the weird al concert i remember going to the weird al concert and they, I don't know if you've ever been to see him, another fine performer that's amazing. Many times, as a yeah. matter of fact, he might be like, him and George Thurgood are like one, two, with how many times I've seen him. Right. I, yes, Kansas, there's a bunch of other, but anyway. So yes, their I, drummer, they, they go, he, Weird Al yells into the mic, he goes, drum solo! And the drummer's going, dum, 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 and then they continue on. It's no drum solo. So I used to do that in the band, just because they were taking too long in between songs, yakking or whatever it was. I go up to the mic and go, hey, solo! Plong. And then I'd walk away. That's right. <laughs> There, not every band has to have all virtuoso musicians. It really is okay to have a guy that's a human metronome that just keeps the beat yeah. and let somebody else kind of solo over him. My God, but. it's so weird you say that because the past couple weekends, I've been pulling out like all my instruments and just playing a lot of the old songs I used to play, bass and guitar, or not guitar, drums and piano and playing mm -hmm. along with album stuff. And one of the early bands and musicians i played a lot was you too because at the time i could handle most of his parts but when you listen to it simplistic and but go listen to with or without you and don't tell me you're not moved at the end that's just an uplifting song it's Absolutely. four chords and they don't change at all through the whole right. <laughs> the edge did a whole bunch of continued not is it's not arpeggiation if it's not that fast but he just does yeah that repeat a lot, but they find the right pattern and that's still a yeah. great song. You know so, what I mean? So the song with or without you, it's four chords. It's got Mullins or yeah, on the bass. And it's just don't right. the whole time, the whole time. That's all he's doing. And you hear a high pitched sound and it changes throughout the whole song. Okay. And I ask people, what instrument is that you're listening to? Do you know? My guess is it's still a guitar, but it's the National Steel guitar where it rings instead of... No, it's even... Oh. It is guitar. Okay. But the edge got feedback, and he got the feedback under control so he could hit the right notes with the feedback. And it's feedback from a guitar, the whole song. Not the whole song, but cool. those okay. parts. Yeah. Pat Metheny has done things like that, where he... And Neil Young did it terribly. Like, remember, I think it's called Trans or something like that, where it's just like leaning the guitar into the speaker box, the entire freaking album and assaulting your ears. But Pat Metini does stuff where he really has such control over what he's playing and what the guitar is going to do. If you overdrive it and stuff like that, that it made like his own accompaniment and stuff like that. I think came out of nowhere because he knows just how to push it. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, back to collective soul. I highly recommend listening to him if you haven't plus Duran possibly. <laughs> exactly. Honestly, now that I'm going to say this every single time we talk about these, now that Kalani's retired, our schedule is so much looser. It's not only 
that we can we have time we can do it whenever we want it used to be that it was just weekends and that always creates its own problem in terms of traffic and higher costs and stuff like that but now we can go if a band's playing like tuesday night in pittsburgh we really can go drive still get home like at midnight one o'clock we don't have to stay overnight we don't have to do all that kind of stuff so i'm all the ticklers that I have for the Cleveland area, I've always had little ticklers for certain venues in Pittsburgh and Columbus and Detroit and that kind of stuff. And now I'm going to cast my net wider because it really might be worth doing that little drive, especially if it's, we like driving. It's pretty out now. It's all green and stuff like that. It, it we'll have to see. We're also, it's not, unfortunately, concerts, like when you say, hey, it's only 40 bucks, that's still, every time you go to a show, it's $100 now. And that didn't used to be the case. And so it's, it, we have, we're doing okay on money. We probably could do all the hundred dollar shows that we want to. What we've also talked about is we had a couple of times where we had so much stuff going on that occasionally Friday night was, we just don't want to do anything. <laughs> if we have this, is there a way that we can change things? Because there was a whole bunch of whatever build up to the week. And if you're seeing two, three, four shows a week, it was never that maybe two or three. Sometimes it just builds up in terms of, wow, I'm still on a schedule. I still have to be somewhere at a certain time. It'd be okay. We're trying to pace it out, I guess. Is what yeah. I'm the travel hint, and you probably know this, going down to Pittsburgh. Because for me, it's an hour to Cleveland, hour and 20 to Pittsburgh. So it's not a whole you're lot of difference. Exactly. But if you're going to do it, don't go on the toll roads. Take the longer back roads. Because, oh, my God, for me to drive on the pay roads, it saves about 15, 20 minutes, but costs right. $30 in tolls to go to exactly. Pittsburgh. They have jacked that up too. We have, it's funny, they did this just right. They have the easy pass. Yeah. We're not like, I don't know, 30 states accepted or something like that. You don't keep track of every single one of these tolls. It's not 35 cents anymore like it was. Now it's six bucks at eight and 13 bucks. Go across Ohio, it's like 20. And across Indiana, it's like 15. So every time we go to Chicago, we're paying 70 bucks total. Just right. the privilege of driving. And if they kept the roads up beautiful and perfect, and they were better than the other roads. I wouldn't mind that. I like the time savings. But nowadays, it seems that when we make those big drives, there's all kinds of places where it's down to one or two lanes and trucks and concrete barriers and everything. It's like, this isn't easy and pastoral. This is crappy, this driving that we're doing. So just the usual complaint about however they worked it out that once you had it, that as soon as we, we put this toll in place to pay for the road, and once the road's paid for, we'll take, they never lift it. Then it goes towards the refurbishment of the road, or they make it so that now this provides education funds for our schools. I'm not going to screw the kids over. I'm going to pay the toll. You know what I mean? Once a government has revenue coming in, there ain't no way they're giving it up without a tea party. <laughs> and, and, and let's be so. honest, if they're already <laughs> working on the road, it's paid for or sitting in an account <laughs> to be paid for. Your money is not going to that. <laughs> I know we almost digress. I was in a year in Cleveland, maybe two, when they had a thing that they wanted to build a medical center. Maybe they passed a levy that there was going to be tax collection. They had no firm plans. There was no, here's this beautiful building. Here's why it's really worth it. They just created the slush fund and taxed everybody for it so that they could do something with it. And there was no, what if you want to change it to? Now it goes into swimming pools for the top 20 bureaucrats. It was so rigged, I couldn't stand it. Like, I thought I escaped some of that crap out of Chicago. Come to Cleveland? Nope. That's, that system yeah. of government is alive and well here. And I think they've gotten away with that again and again, that they keep on, oh, you know what? Uh, uh, it's, politicians it's, it's, really make <laughs> the mob look good. 
Honestly, at least you know what you're getting. I'm supposedly getting protection. <laughs> I think I need to put that on a t-shirt right there. <laughs> so Colleen and I had a wonderful time. We yes. Went to it. We went, Mensa had, has an annual gathering every year, hence annual. And we haven't gone to a bunch of them because COVID hit and one got canceled entirely in Kansas City. Another one in Houston went on, but we there was still in the not enough people were vaccinated, and there was just the rates were still going up, not down. And indeed, when we didn't go to that, when we found out afterwards that it had been a super spreader event, and out of eleven hundred people, a hundred people it came out with COVID. No matter how much you much you mask up and so forth, and this happened also with the mind games for Mensa. What am I going to do? Sit at a table in close quarters with people and touch all the things that they're touching, the cards, the meeples, etc. And even if you keep your mask on, you got to raise it to eat or drink. And the room is filled with people, the miasma of whatever people right. are spewing out. So that's why we haven't done a lot of these. And in fact, unfortunately, last year we were scheduled to go to the one in Reno and my mother's conservatorship hearing got scheduled right in the right. middle of it. I just couldn't do it. So finally, a triumphant return. We got to go to the AG. And it was in Baltimore, which is a cool city. And I didn't know enough about it, except that most East Coast cities have like history and cool old city infrastructure. And coastal is different than Midwest and stuff like that. I knew Baltimore had Edgar Allan Poe. I knew it had John Waters, certain things that just, that, and funny, this gathering included those things. There were multiple speakers that were experts on Edgar Allan Poe, his books and his Gothic tradition and various different people, the real people that figured into the characters and so That's forth. Cool. We actually took a walk. Our hotel was the Hilton Inner Harbor, and it was like three blocks from Edgar Allan Poe's grave in an old cemetery that has all kinds of other luminaries from Baltimore. So that was kind of cool. And we also, John Waters was the uh, gala dinner speaker. And I don't know if you're a fan of his, but he's quirky and has been for 40 years. He hmm. said all the movies in Baltimore instead of, hey, I know I've made it. I'm going to Hollywood. He loves Baltimore and has continually featured Baltimore. So if you've seen his famous or infamous ones like Pink Flamingo, Hairspray, uh, Serial Mom, let's see, Pecker, Cry and Shame, he was our keynote. And boy, was he a delight. Nice. He's so fast. He's really, he's obviously mensable. He's very sharp. And not only the questions that he must have been asked many times before, but just the back and forth with him and Tabby was the AG chair and she got to interview him. And they had a delightful time on stage and the whole audience was laughing and appreciating and stuff like that. We were very lucky. A friend of ours that was part of the AG committee had two seats open up at her table, like one of the front three tables. And so she gave us a call and said, hey, you're going to the gala. Yep. Do you want to move up to the front table? So yes, we would like to do that. <laughs> nice. both like John Waters. And so I sat one table over, didn't really get to partake in the conversation at the table, but there's a little bit of Seeing him from up close instead of a dot far away on the stage and stuff like that, it was just cool. And then besides that, we went we, we went to the colloquium. Mensa does a really cool thing where many gatherings have a whole variety of programs for various different people, but the colloquium usually focuses on one big topic. So we've had it in the past on weather and on uh, wow, video games and their effect on people. This one was on neurodiversity. And it's a big topic, not only in Mensa, but in the world, because we're catching on to the idea that people that have autism or Asperger's or ADHD, it isn't necessarily only a disability. In some cases, it's really a superpower. They have the ability to hyper-focus. Things come to them. They might lack, in some cases, in social skills or in face reading or various different aspects of those things. But in exchange for that, they get to be almost like a savant level mathematician or organizer or stuff. Right. So. 
in the computer field, I've dealt with any number of people that really weren't that great socially, but they were really good at their job. And if you find that out, if you don't, because they don't interview well, you don't dismiss them, but you just kind of get to where they can shine. And so this colloquium was a lot about that. They're learning more and more about how the brain works, how it works in different ways that we're not at all a single species with a single, and it's not only. There's there's no normal and... Exactly. Just like a statistical pattern, it's not that you strive to be normal. And in some cases, it can be debilitating. It can hold you back if you really can't, you're not, you're so uncomfortable with people or with touch or again, those aspects that it can hold you back. If you're trying to be in a, we're a social animal, we travel in packs, we have parties, that kind of thing. But they have four really good speakers and really good discussions after each thing about what the state of the art, state of the science is about what we understand about this and what efforts are being done by both public and private concerns to make sure they're okay in school, to mainstream them into society, to have education about what that's so that people don't immediately react, maybe even overreact to someone that counts everything. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's for, for, so it was for a number of mentions that have aspects of that. And you and I have talked about that. I don't know. I'm a pretty high functioning human being. And yet I like symmetry, perhaps more than normal. (laughs) Things should be stacked smallest to biggest, or it's, Oh, let me just fix that for you. And, but my superpower of being able to go into flow and be hyper-productive for hours at a time has served me very well in my career, that ability to hyper-focus. And maybe it's tuning out the rest of the world, but the people who can't do that, they're always at half speed. They really can't concentrate enough to do a deep, difficult thing. And I've been able to do that all my life. Maybe sometimes falling into a puzzle, but also falling into a computer program, debugging things in ways that are miraculous to other people. So that was a great day. And then that night it was fireworks on a cruise ship. We went out in the Chesapeake Bay and there's just something really, a whole hundreds of us were out on this boat. So that wonderful 4th of July-ish thing. And what asked my, oh, and there's also the Mr. Mensa pageant. (laughs) <laughs> so for those who are outside of Mensa, it's not that we just sit around doing cube roots and comparing IQs and bullshit <laughs> like that. We really have a wonderful time. There's lots of laughter and hugging and conversation and there's 24-hour, seven-day-a-week um, food and drink available uh, in hospitality. And this event is people coming together to, it's like a little bit of a talent show, a little bit of a beauty palette. It's almost a, a parody of the Miss Universe pageant or something like that's that. That's what it was meant to be. When it first yeah. started off, it was very, it was Mr. Mensa when it started off, no Miss SS, where it could be, that there's both male and female contestants. So how cool that we're progressive in that way. And it was meant to be a mockery of that, but a gentle mockery, not a savage one. And maybe that's another cool thing is that when you have you're smart enough to have a sense of humor and you can see both sides of something and that you can tease without digging in. It's a delight sometimes to have the wind taken out of the things that other people take in very seriously or that we take too seriously. Seven great contestants, a really good host and hostess. The behind the scenes, they had, I should be naming names because Tommy and Terry were the host and hostess and very gracious and good at moving, pardon me, <coughs> moving things a lot. Bless you. Tom, thank you. Tom Schnorenberg keeping all the ducks in a row backstage. Everybody's got to come out. It can't drag. It has to be good TV, if you will. Peter Dudek, who I've worked with before, did a fantastic job with video. Big screens on each side of the stage, and he had great special effects, and they had done previous video recordings for each of the contestants. So it's, I want to be Mr. Mensa. And 
it was just so professionally, seamlessly done. Anybody coming in would say, well, this is not amateur hour anymore. This is really good. Gary Reimar playing piano, a little bit of piano accompaniment for various different things. And while the judges were tabulating their votes, he was doing a piece by David Benoit that was really beautiful. So the big shift since how it started off when it was just a tease, they've always collected money for the American Mensa Foundation. I should say the Mensa Foundation. I don't think it has American in title. And that has become quite a push. They each time, each year, they try to set a new record, but it's not just, hey, I'm going to sing a little song. It's, if you like me, contribute to my campaign. And there's a crowd favorite award, if you will, that's based on how much money did they bring in? It's not only what the judges thought. And so I don't think it was that bad this year. It's been even worse last year, where they really were like, huckstering and in fact one of the things they've stopped doing is at the end of the shows in the past years this is a weird mensa thing they used to have a date auction where for the various contestants it was all men ladies could bid on them and the very first time i saw that i was like i don't think selling a human being is a good idea what the (laughs) hell i don't think this leaves a good taste in my mouth at the end of the show and it was it got money and a number of the people were when they described the date they'd take you on, and oftentimes it was just on site there, but they were fun and interesting and witty and handsome and all that kind of stuff. So I could see how it was a good sell. But then it started to have a little bit of a weird thing to it, especially in modern times. <laughs> and it's modern times meaning, yeah, since emancipation, how about that? Since how about the last 200 or so? So now they don't do that anymore. But overall, such a nice time. And like a packed room, hundreds of people there to have fun with this and stuff like that. And the talents were like, you know what, it, it, enough. It just really was fun to see mentors who were brave enough to get up on stage right. and risk being judged. Ooh, dress up in their finery, dress up in costumes, that kind of thing. It was a very nice, fun time. And here, you get to be proud of me on this one. It was the thing called the Trivia Smackdown. They actually brought in a professional trivia guy, and they had the things where everybody has their smartphone, and it's not only that you know the answer, but how quickly you get it, buzz in, and it's all being coordinated Wi-Fi-wise, so you can have hundreds of players. And Colleen and I were consistently doing well, like number out of probably 100 people were allowed to play, more than 100 people in the room. We were like number 12, number 18, but hardly ever they have the top 10 on the screen, and we're like, Oh, scroll down. We're over here. Scroll down. (laughs) But finally, the final one young man, Brian, was unbelievable. He was kicking everybody's butt so fast and so accurate that if the scores range from, I don't know, 500 to 1,000, he was at 1,300. He was consistently that next quantum above even a whole room full of smarties and a whole bunch of people that are often quite good at trivia and stuff. There was a Jeopardy person. There was people that are in Learned League, all that kind of stuff. Last round, and this isn't meant to sound too weird. I I don't really, I don't overcompete about those things. I know it's trivia, not significant. So Colleen and I had been just doing what we could, but still doing pretty well. The last round, I really applied myself, and I was in second place. Nice. So except for this guy, this stellar Brian, who like, maybe that's what I was when I was 20. (laughs) A little bit more hair. Honestly, exactly that. (laughs) Don't take that wrong, but I I could do kind of. Savanti amazing things when I was young. I was really good at chess and cryptography and that kind of stuff and at trivia. So having said that, then they have, it isn't that I took second because they have the top five and then the top 10 people go up and compete in front. And 
I, m- many people were getting to the sixth answer in uh, 20 seconds or something like that. And I only made it to five. So I dropped into the second tier, but I've probably had 20 years on lots of the other players, yeah. <laughs> 40 years on them. So there's a great scene in one of my, one of the gore books where there's a tarn race. Tarns are huge, like rock type birds and a bird that had been falling off trailing that was no longer the mighty Ubar of the skies that he had once been in this final race, <laughs> he comes back to life. He is a new young bird again and wins the thing. And that's the story that I wanted to say was, I guess I'm not to be dismissed quite yet. I'm a white hair. I know I'm a geezer now. And yet here I am competing with all kinds of other really cool, smart people. And I was up there on stage. I was nice. that's, two, a, going that, that's okay for me. So (laughs) self-validation on the trip. Exactly that. And besides that, they had an enormous games room, games from A to Z, probably 300, 500 different games. So whenever Colleen and I went in there, we could always find whatever we wanted to play. So we played our usual Scrabble and Quiddler and Anomia trivia and that kind of stuff. We had a couple of games of double deck cancellation hearts, which without going into it on the podcast is a very Mensa specific game. It's not just hearts. You play with two decks and if the two people play the same card, they cancel each other out. And it just adds a whole nother level of not only complexity to the game, but you can have more people at the table. And that's what it's about is something to do with your hands while you chat with your friends. You know what I mean? And and, and the other thing I love about the game rooms at the AG at Weem, with those really big ones where there's always somebody playing something is even if you're just walking around looking at the games, you have people say, Hey, we're playing this. You want to come play? We're free. You may have never seen this person. You may be from opposite sides of the country and right. it's just, if you're in here, you want to play games. How about playing? And it's a very right. friendly atmosphere. We were welcoming in that way, and we're welcomed in the same way. We played code names with people that we didn't know from Adam, and then you get to know them through the game. And whatever, just that. I love that aspect of it, that you're already a gamer. Hey, come on, let's yeah. do something. You know what I mean? Yeah, love that. We were consistently up until one or two in the morning, and then you want to get to the nine o'clock programs. So you're like, okay, if I get this much sleep and take a shower, <laughs> I can get back out and be human. Like <laughs> walk through the bathroom when it's misty after Colleen's done. <laughs> Honey, squeeze me down. You know what I mean? I'll- it, it was a wonderful, and besides, of course, doing all those cool things in the hotel, we ventured out every day. Uh, in Baltimore, it's a good eating town. They have all kinds of seafood. Yeah. I'm a fan of seafood, but every place we went, that I got myself a crab crab cake or rockfish or something like that. Never had rockfish before. That was cool. She was always able to find a steak, and that's kind of some kinds of a, a dangerous thing. You go to a seafood place and get a steak, and they're like, "Yeah, it's the one that we had holding the door open." You know what I mean? It's all, sometimes not a good thing. But she had a great strip steak and a great filet mignon and stuff like that. So. We, and we found a place called the Lexington Market that's kind of like Cleveland's West Side Market. Big old hangar of a place with many booths of all different kinds of food and not just for eating, but for a real butcher and a real greengrocer and stuff like that. So people, produce people come in from the outside of the city, come here and sell their wares. So in the overall, really was an easy place to get around. And I think I alluded to this. And in conclusion, if you will, it used to be that to do this, you had you have a big map of the hotel so you know how to get around and you have sheets of all the programs and what's at what time in what room and the way you can see if i choose this then it overlaps with this so i don't get that and i still like that visual but this wonderful era that we're in now of you can't get lost in baltimore if you've got a smartphone you've got a gps you've got a mapping device that you can and it, it you if you 
do a little bit of research, you can find, I don't just want a crab cake. Where's the best crab cake within walking distance? Where's the best ice cream? Where's the uh, a good breakfast and stuff like that? And if you're trying to get together friends to go to that thing, it's just so easy to do a little texting and to announce something on Facebook or whatever else it might be. And you don't have to do a whole bunch of pre-planning. And sometimes that means that people do no planning. And so they miss out on things or we, they don't catch up or whatever like that. But man, Compared to the olden days where you had everybody kind of milling in the lobby and then clumps would break away because people had enough had found each other, but not too big of a clump where you're not going to be able to find a table for 12. It's just so easy nowadays to be sociable and safe. And I, it, we had a delightful time. So hats off to Baltimore, nice. Inner Harbor, to the hotel, the, all the Mensa, the AMC had their meetings and they so much don't figure into this as the AG committee does. So like Jennifer and Beth Ann did those programs. Another thing I need to say is oftentimes it's been a combination of Mensa speakers and local speakers. And there's a different level sometimes of professionalism, if you will. They had such an ability to tap into the Washington market only an hour away that they had heavyweights from NASA, from the CIA, from Department of Agriculture, from the Weather Service, really knowledgeable people. And honestly, I saw some of the best talks I've ever seen about the history of this and what's the current state of global warming and all that kind of stuff. It was, they found such a great variety. I almost always was only in the game room and hospitality stuff in the evenings, because during the day, hour all in a row and i run back to hospital to get a cup of gummy bears and a soda pop you know what i mean that's my diet for the week it it was just such a great immersion in immense way of so much to learn everybody in the that's seen in the presentation is having a great time and they're asking questions and they're not just like dunning-kruger questions and maybe sometimes there's people that they don't ask a question they make a statement to show how smart they are and then they say what do you think of that and that gets annoying after a while They've solved that where not only does the speaker do that, but they often have a speaker wrangler that introduces them and then also handles the Q&A. And they've got real good at shutting down the worst of those time monopolizers and self-aggrandizers. You know what I mean? And, and it's one of the new things, because I know there's an app that goes with the AG and you can look mm -hmm. up all the speakers by day, by speaker, by room. You can get a map to the games. You can see when the tournaments are and you can click and say, okay, add this to my personal calendar. And then it buzzes and reminds oh, you. Exactly yeah. Right. All that stuff. Yeah. That's one of the handy. one of the things I've seen in our January conference for work, which does all of those things, but now it also has a moderator. So you set type your question and it goes to the moderator and they have a list and they can choose what question is going to get asked. And not let you do the preamble to the question, but just the question. They'll trim it a little bit. That's right. Kind of yeah. And, if, and this is, I used to do the, those ribs that I talked about with the visual. I used to do them all the time. And this year I didn't, and I wasn't asked to do, but I had given my templates to Matthew Needham, who's the IT guy at the national office. And he did a great job of the data behind the schedule is you can put it out as a flat file. He scrapes that flat file and created the diagram that I used to long ago. I did it where I had programmatically done it in fourth dimension for the Macintosh. And then as they kept changing the format of that, I had to do a ton of work to rework it so that it would do, it wasn't just putting the name of the program in the slot. It was always, well, I have to make sure that they're all the same size so that they match the time schedule. And what abbreviations do I standardize on so that the chance of it slopping over is the least? And depending on what day different rooms were used, I did a whole bunch of stuff to clean it up. And his was, the things got a little tiny fonty 
because it was all the rooms being shown, even if you didn't need to. So I, I don't mean to be the jerk and say, pretty good try. It was really, the fact that they had it was wonderful. And maybe I can help with, here's what I did programmatically that I backed away from because it was becoming a little crappy as you change the volunteer, the scheduling system each time. And I can collaborate with him hopefully for next year to do whatever's going on in Kansas City or something like that. You know what I mean? And sometimes they don't need to collaborate or they know what they're doing. He's a really wonderfully sharp young man. And the fact that he did them at all, when I hadn't heard back as to what they were going to do with it, when I saw them being put out on the tables, I was like, I really like this format instead of only the app. Everybody's in their phones nowadays, and I used that, but I really like that quick visual, look what I want, put little stars next to. And as you might imagine, every hour, there's here's the three programs that I want to see. Right. What I do is I put the big star next to the one I want. Once in a while, from the program description, it doesn't turn out to be what you thought it was going to be, or the speaker is really dismal. And so you want to bail out. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want to say, if I don't go to this, I, one room over is a, another talk I wanted to see. And then you just slink away and go to the other room disruptively. So it that worked out okay, the scheduling of things. And it's, I don't know what other things are like that. It's not quite a Comic-Con or a science fiction con because they do have programming, but a lot of it is the show floor. There's really not that barter. <laughs> there's not, honestly, there's certain people are dressing up, but it's not cosplay. You know what I mean? Right, it's just right. it's, everybody has a funny t-shirt. Everybody in Mensa has a witty t-shirt that they wear. And it's almost like a competition. <laughs> you got to wear the shirt that people will remember, notice, point out, you know, exactly. I, it's like exactly. you get, it's like that, that sci-fi Orville story. Oh, someone liked my shirt. Ting. I get a little pop-up point. <laughs> exactly. It, what I will say is it's a wonderful reunion. I'm, I've been in like maybe three different Mensa groups in the course of my life. And, but I've met so many good people, not only online, but then you get a chance to put a face to the name, but also just at past AGs, you had a nice game with them. You had a nice meal with them. And then when you see them again, it's like, Barbara, how are you doing? And whatever that thing is of how people like really quick, catch each other up. <laughs> so it's like, Colleen's retired and I've got investments and that guy. It really is funny to see how people, what they compress down into what they want to mention. I got comic books, that, <laughs> that kind of thing. It's just a delight. Mets is a hugging group. Not all of it. There seems to be also a generational transition, but for the people that have, that, that have read about it and know it's really healthy for you, it really lowers tension and gets rid of cortisol. And as long as the people doing the hugging are not, they're not creepy old guys. They're and. You know, Be, being progressive, the guy, and then they have to get rushed off to the side, the bad guys and the bad girls. There's, they're not guys are not the only ones holding out a little bit too long or letting their hands stray. What the hell? <laughs> it's, and, and we've been progressive in that <laughs> we got the dots. So you very clearly put a dot of the color green. Yep. Give me a hug. Yellow. Ask first. Red. Stay back. And exactly. it's not. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't, it's just, I don't want hugged. I don't want touched. You know what we just said about the whole having some autism thing. It's, I can't exactly. stand the feel of that. It's not anyone personal. That's uh, right. They didn't have the hug dots out this year from the committee, but people kept putting them out. Like I said, <laughs> this year was very much a, I think a Gen Y-ish committee, and they are looking to change something. Some traditions they maintain, some things they start anew, some things they actively abandon or suppress and then the market gets the vote. You know what I mean? So the hug dots have been a useful enough thing that for those who want to wear them and say, I'm huggable or I'm not, then it's useful instead of it having to be awkward or a negotiation or something like that. I hope that continues despite 
some people not liking it, you got to be able to say, what about the other 50? Right. The great thing about the hug dots, the thing that I've never liked and cared for is someone who says, oh, I'm a hugger. Come in. You're like, I'm not a hugger. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do it anyway. Who the hell is you? That's what it is. Some people have had a bad experience and then they really, they like, what we often talk about, not only do I hate this book, but nobody should read this book. (laughs) They had a bad experience with hugging. They really think that it's weird. And then they want to not have to be that they're always explaining themselves or avoiding it or something like that. If they take away hugging, then they don't have to worry about it. You know what I mean? But that's not, that's not thinking empathetically. And as a group, it's very much trying to make the world torque around you. And there are some times when you should say, it's not about me, not only about me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, the fact, I'm enjoying having, uh, um, ears here because that I'm is, uh, I was like my that. kangaroo. I have to keep dodging to the side so everybody can say it's a kangaroo. All right, or a wallaby. I don't know how to distinguish between. So, what uh, else? So I think you covered mostly the stuff you mentioned for the Mensa Zoom. You know, what I wanted, to, what I always try to do, like we, we the geekery aspect of it is, it's not only hey, Smarties getting together, which is its own kind of cool. The conversation is different. The odd references are all there. I love the conversation. It's like, so what are you reading lately? And I'm taking notes, hearing good books from Mensons, good music, good, what, what movie they've seen, play they've seen. I just come away with, okay, I got my next like 20 things that I got to look right, at definitely. that I might not have found out about otherwise. But all, like I said, the geekery aspects of if you've got a phone, you really never have to worry about being in a city and straying across the wrong tracks. I guess you could, it could still be that you want to go to a place and you don't realize that barbecue place is in a rough part of the city. And so hopefully when we had that, when people were talking about where they were going, sometimes you'd hear people at New Baltimore saying, oh, (laughs) this specific route, because if you go directly there, that's through some touchy places. You know what I mean? Here's a preview, possibly something to talk about in the future that we haven't talked about that fits right in with your shirt. My buddy Casey and I are investigating printing t-shirts. Now you and I have talked about lots of t-shirt ideas and Mm -hmm. we have some t-shirts on the website linked up that I, things we've thought of, but that's going through one of the online services, dropship companies. Exactly. Uh, so and somebody like we don't do it ourselves, et cetera. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's hands off. It's mostly if we want to market it, which our marketing consists of putting it on the website and mentioning it here. <laughs> exactly that. Being the merch demons that we are. <laughs> yes. I, I mainly do it because I like to get the shirts and wear them myself. That's the biggest thing. But Casey and I are investigating doing our own shirts and the different methods for printing and on the shirts and what is good, what's bad and all of that, the cost. So that's something I'm investigating now so that we could talk about in the future. Believe it or not, one of the better methods still is screen printing by hand, getting your okay. screen made and pulling the ink across. That's old school, but it prints well on the shirt. It stays and lasts long. The Jeez. biggest Part of yeah. the fabric, exactly. Yeah, okay. the down yeah. biggest downside is it's usually like one, maybe two colors. It's harder to do multiple colors, like okay. the print ones yeah. and stuff. So that's just a, a future thing. That's worth <laughs> investigating. Honestly, I, I love this. You never know what your reach is. I had any number of people that I don't really know that well come up and say, really enjoy your Facebook posts, really enjoy your podcast. And I don't know what our current viewership is. Like yeah, I haven't checked. maybe a thousand, but there's 1500 people at this gathering and it's Mensa is right in our target audience. And so had, and not only, Hey, not just the 
the blank. I really like your things. They were like, I really like this episode. I really like when you talked about nice. this. Had very nice memories of various different things. And so it's an automatic, cool conversation starter. And it's just, it's nice to know that this isn't just going off into the ether. I, a long time ago, I used to talk about this. I'm full of myself today. I hope I apologize for a little bit. I was valedictorian of my high school. And I got to give a speech at the Senior Graduation Awards. And years after that, people from high school came up to me and said that what I said really rang for them. It resonated with them. I talked about, and you and I have talked about this in various different ways, in high school at least, you could be a jock or a drama person or a, you know, all kinds of things and get a claim. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of awards and that you get to sit on this bench if you're the best football player and stuff like that. But just being a good student, kind of like what you're there for, often it still got kind of teased about. And luckily I had, by having a, I had developed a good enough sense of humor that I wasn't only voted most intelligent, I was also second place funniest. And so you'll learn how to cope with that, that you're not only the brain that kind of puts people off, but humor sets everybody at ease. And having said, that's a little bit of what was going on here. It's cool to find out years later that what you said didn't just vanish into the mist, that it actually hit people and they got something out of it. It affected their life, hopefully in a good way. And sim similar situation when now when nice. we're doing things is you keep throwing things out there and you hope that some will stick. They had a, a really cool program that was called Name That Movie. And it had tiny clips, short clips of all different kinds of things. And the team that Colleen and I were on with Barbara and Jim did pretty well. But in Mensa, there's people that really have like eidetic memories. And so we were like seventh. The people that got it, in fact, Dave and Shirley, who we love spending time with, she was, she's really great about movies. Yeah. She was she a movie reviewer and stuff like that. And so they came in first place. And I love going to Mensa events, not only in the way that I just said, oh, I get ego strokes. It's very cool to be amongst people that you're happy to celebrate. They really know their stuff. Brian was amazing at that one trivia thing. Shirley knows her movies. This guy that I'm a pretty good game player, and yet, wow, I couldn't keep up with him in, like, maybe code names or something like that. And it's not keep up with. Maybe that's the wrong way to put it. It is, I like being where for as much as I get a lot of positive strokes, it's nice to be humble once in a while. It's nice to know the world is wide and there's all kinds of great people in it and you get a chance to spend time with them. How cool is that? And part of that actually <laughs> is another trait that a lot of Mensons have is yeah. that desire and ability to push ourselves and want to be challenged. We don't want to like always rest on laurels and get accolades. It's, yeah. oh, I can go here and I can win that trivia every single week, or I can go here and that guy's going to kick my butt, but <laughs> I'm going to go there because it's challenging and it's that's much more fun most of the time. Absolutely. I, I love, I absolutely love playing with people that this isn't going to be a rollover. This isn't going to be walking through it. I'm going to have to work hard and I'm, I don't think I'm going to win. And then when you win, it's sweet because it, somehow things came together. I got lucky and skilled. And, and that's actually the kind of games I love playing the most is not where it's deterministic. It's where there's always a little bit of luck involved. And then it's, how do you use it? How do you capitalize it? How does it turn against you? It's like, what? <laughs> I did the right. best I could. And still you can't overcome someone drawing perfect cards three times in a row. That right. Kind of <laughs> so where's the AG next year at? It's in Kansas City. Okay. And, so, and that'll be, that's, I think the Colleen, just like we drove to Baltimore, like a five and three quarter hour drive, but we make it about seven because we stop every two hours for a tink and a drink, stretch our legs, get whatever road food there is available. KC is still, to me, 
within reasonable driving distance because there's all kinds of things I wouldn't mind seeing along the way. We have friends that we can visit in Illinois and Missouri and Ohio. There's like Merrimack Caverns are along the way in Missouri. Oh, yeah. Ingalls Wilder things that Colleen likes, Mansfield and other places. <laughs> we might even go to Branson, Missouri and go see Yakov Smirnoff. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and, yeah. and the trouble about doing it around the 4th of July is that Branson, Missouri is going to be a freaking parking lot. Yeah. And all of our time just getting into the city and then pulling over and having barbecue or something at Culver's or whatever else it might be. And yet when you're in the area, don't you want to take, a, I don't know. The Opry it? House. Yeah, right. The I think that Kansas City is like the first city in the United States that Google said Wi-Fi for everyone and not Wi-Fi FIOS, highest level. And right. so I'm looking forward to seeing what a city is like where everybody's had zippy fast internet access for a generation. And what does that do with how did the city build out and stuff like that? There's in the same way that I've talked about, you now that Colleen and I have our little maybe frontier in other places that we're going to go to all kinds of cities that we don't know anything about, except that they have to have a cool museum and a cool zoo and stuff like that. I'm going to learn a lot about Kansas City and just like we did Baltimore, where do I want to eat? What are the places instead of just going there for the duration of the event? Put a couple of days at the start or at the end or both and then have touristy things to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the little drive and and the company of Mensons. It's a cool thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's think about maybe doing our podcast or a talk about the podcast or something. Exactly. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. We As soon as they start accepting things, I'll put in, I don't think it's only based on getting in early. It is based a little bit on quality and who's done it well before and stuff like that. But I'm hoping that the, that, big thing that pushed i didn't speak this year even though i offered to do so because they had so many quality outside speakers i don't know that kansas city is as much a hotbed for high quality outside as being next to washington DC. Right. you don't get as many like sports related talks <laughs> less attended <laughs> at these events <laughs> exactly so we should put in for a podcast and do that. And you and I had mentioned offline from the podcast, Geek Fest is coming up over in Ashtabula. Got to check that out a bit more. Yeah. And I'll to see if it's worth, do they want us? Is it worth our time? You know what I mean? I mentioned the one Geek Fest I did out in Akron, it was not organized well and I suffered mightily. Yeah. I publicity. I wasn't even on the schedule, even though I gave them all the information they needed weeks before. I, it was a total waste of my time and they have to, I need to see that the people organizing it are perhaps different or that they've learned a lot as to how to do this better because it was galling and distressing. Yeah. There's no reason to do anything. I'm ready to go. Why is there nobody in my room? It sucked. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I need to draw a pretty good crowd if they know about it. Exactly. Yeah. So do you have any scheduled talks coming up this fall or classes or anything like last year? No, nothing like with local universities, though I'm seeking, I'm starting to seek out libraries now that COVID really is managed. It's still around and hurting people and stuff like that, but it sure is that we're all vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm seeking that. I know I'll be speaking at um, Halloween. You know, that's the Chicago regional gathering and hosting pretentious drinking there as well. And I talked to Robert Goldsmith, who's one of the main guys in Pittsburgh, and you're doing a whole bunch of stuff there. I will see if he need, if he has a slot, if he needs another talk. And then we don't, I think you've got so much going on that I don't know that you need to throw the podcast in there. But if we each do a talk, like um, that would be, and I, Colleen and I have to have a talk about, in the past we've not gone to this often because we often have other things going on Labor Day weekend. And this year it might not be. And so right. 
I wouldn't mind spending again in the company of Mensons, 150 of us or something like that, playing games, goofing off, enjoying each other's conversation and stuff like that. And I'll probably do either um, like my drinking from the fire hose talk, you know, about there's so much stuff out there. How do you choose what you're going to read so that in the course of your life, it took a good shot at reading the best of the best, watching the best, playing the best, etc. That, that I am enjoying doing that talk because as I find more and more lists and sources, it's like, now I got to follow this. I've only done 70 out of 100 here. It means 30 cool things I get to explore. Yeah, I, I made a discovery. <laughs> I'm doing this fall right now. I'm scheduled in Aurora to do the video game storytelling workshop twice. Uh, and I believe also possibly up in Lakewood at the rec center, because mm. there's not a lot of rec centers in the area that have classes and adult type things any longer. Back in the nineties, I used to teach a keyboard class and they were all over. You could contact any rec center and get, but now it's pick and choose. Cause there's only a few Lakewood. I'm on the list to be talk, get on the schedule and get more info. So I might be up at your area doing that class and be in in moral support. Exactly. That'd be cool. And all the stuff in the Western Pennsylvania, maybe I'll go to Weem again. I went last year and had a really good time and I really, because it's longer and I like the bigger, longer ones. (laughs) Okay. As I recall last year, there was a lady there that was like really interested in you as that Cooled? I don't hear you. Talking yeah, about a little it. bit. Yeah, that's an outside the kind podcast. We bring story. that up on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just, you seem to be having a nice time, and then I don't know. I just I wanted to maybe celebrate who was doing well, but sometimes there's weekend relationships versus forever relationships. Yeah, let's put it this way: I've learned from the past. So how's that? Okay, that, and that's that, boy. Colleen and I had conversations about this recently that we, she and I really get along pretty well, except that apparently I'm a bad driver. But anyway, and actually I'm not, but she has sensitivities that I'm now having to incorporate that into my driving so that if the kind of vision that she has is that anything that's alongside you looms as if it's coming towards you, I don't want her to be scared while I'm driving. I want her to be relaxed and enjoy our right. little vacations. And so having said that, somehow that's also come up for what has it been like that when there's been, and I have had past relationships and sometimes those things surfaced early. And then when you see how drastic it is, it's wow, I don't know that I want to like totally transform myself for someone to work on. I'm already me. I'm pretty happy who I am. And so you get a chance to see how much of that is them or you and how much you're willing to I don't know, change, compromise. Compromise isn't changing 180 degrees. People are really good at being stubborn and persistent. And it's, I don't want to have everything be a conflict. I don't want to continue to talk about how it could be better and different. Maybe we could just go see a movie. And now, anyway, anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But so if I come, it'll be me. That's fine. I'm good with that. (laughs) I love Ween. I love the Western Pennsylvania one. I'd love to go to an AG. It's been many years. Last time I went, the kids were both still in school. So that's been a couple of years. Kansas City is next year. Two years after that, Chicago. So maybe (sighs) nice and close and it'll be a blowout. Chicago has always done a great RG and they're actually... They're not trying to take the people that are doing Halloween and bring them into this entirely because it'll burn them out and right. then Halloween will suffer. That's what kept it out of Chicago for decades. And they're trying to find the compromise to have it not be that case. But just that, if you're looking for something that's within reasonable driving distance, Baltimore might've been Chicago will be, et cetera, et cetera. The, the last time I drove to Kansas, I was helping yeah. somebody move and nobody mm-hmm. else 
everybody's afraid to drive the big moving truck. So it was me. And it was during a blizzard snowstorm in Kansas. And I had a broken right hand from martial arts. So it was a trip and a half. Let me exactly. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Fond memories. I see. Exactly. Yeah. We had some weather on the way there. And if you're already like, construction often happens around the 4th of July. So it's already got the concrete up and then you throw some rain in and then you throw some trucks out of the road. Cause it, it just, it was really paying attention uh, at length for a while. And then you get to where you're out of it and you kind of peel your hands off of the steering wheel. You didn't realize how much you were white knuckling it. It's not scary, but you're just, you're really making sure that you've got quick reactions. You're primed to do the thing if it's necessary. The bridge up in michigan the big mm -hmm. bridge that goes to the upper peninsula area i've driven that a couple times and it's never swamped it's not like bumper to bumper and people aren't doing three million miles an hour but right. when i'm like going like this and i'm like oh god it feels like everybody's like this and i'm just like oh. yes, and the, the, exactly. how come these lanes are narrow they shouldn't be this narrow <laughs> We, we can end the cast with this. We moved my younger brother from San Diego to Kalamazoo when he was going to be doing his grad school and put a whole bunch of stuff in the truck. And we're going over one of those big bridges that even before you get on the bridge, it says gusty winds, be careful. And you're in a truck where it wasn't like totally full. So it was bottom heavy, but the truck is acting like a sail and I am getting moved like a little bit out of my lane. Yeah. And Bruce goes, Al, what's going on? It's like, First, I am not trying to scare you. I am turning the wheel like 45 degrees to stay in my lane because the wind wants to take me over the side. And I was luckily in the middle. So it wasn't like I was bumping up against the guardrail. But man, that was the most scared I've ever been. Maybe the Moki Dugway. That was another. I think I told you about that where we're going down a series of hairpins on like pressed gravel and like one mistake and we're just. <laughs> we did not nothing happened but while you're doing it man i just don't want to die stupid I don't yeah. want to die. <laughs> I, I, driving to michigan once to go see the in-laws years ago mm -hmm. the, a bridge on 80 that it's like the first bridge leaving from here it's within an hour or something and it's just you turn a little bit and then it's a couple football fields long but it's like right. high it's like nothing around you yeah, there's the whole valley below yeah exactly. and yeah. the one time it was just super windy i was in my mustang i was alone and i'm driving and there was someone going way slower so i moved over the left lane to go around them and as i go around them a wind gust caught me and suddenly i'm in the right lane again and i'm like oh my god did that just happen get me off this bridge get me off this bridge Exactly. <laughs> I, I have been to Key West by having stopped there on a cruise ship. and But I still want to go there because Colleen and I were like, we'd like to I have a little list of things. I want to go to the farthest north, south, east, west of the United States. And maybe it won't ever happen north, really, because we're not going all the way to the top of Alaska. But having said that, like going out to Key West and doing that for an hour on those bridges where there's nothing but water on the right. side, I'm going to have to be like, I hope I can do that. I don't have a problem with driving. And yet there's a little bit of like weird highway hypnosis or something that goes on it's like this really is there's nothing what yeah for miles <laughs> exactly well yeah. there's not nothing there's very convenient sharks in the water oh yeah <laughs> some alligators if you're close to land some yeah. alligators when, exactly. when i worked on the cruise ship we were based out of key west okay so okay that was a fun time <laughs> all right 
we, we uh, Colleen's retired. Her birthday is this week, and I just want to punch. I got her some Kona coffee because she's a coffee hound, and just that some nice little things. Amazon having Prime Day, it's like really what I want is some nice things for my wife. Not all the Prime Day specials, so. Please stop trying to make me buy the latest Koi rig or whatever else. And I must say the Prime Day specials seem a little less and a little disappointing to me this year. I'm glancing through the list. I'm going, eh, there's nothing really that's screaming out to me. That's, oh my God, that's a great deal. Right. We might be getting, good Lord, to enough. Capital <laughs> enough. You know what I mean? I got the TV that I want. I got the, I, we don't have a Roomba yet, but I don't know that we're going to get one because we're in a three-level house and it's not as practical. Right. Teach it how to go down the stairs? I don't think so. <laughs> At my Kindle, the screen is all cracked. It still works fine, but the ski- screen is cracked. So I'm like, maybe I'll replace it. And it's just one of the cheaper seven-inch ones because all I use it for is podcasts and reading books occasionally. So I don't need anything super, but I'm looking at my going, man, that thing is like on sale. It's about as much as what it used to be without being on sale. And I'm just like, nah, I don't know. That's That's... Something I'm getting to that point of replacement where it's wow for eighty bucks, two hundred bucks, whatever else it might be for certain things. I know I'll get five years out of it. That's not a lot. Five years for an eighty buck thing is sixteen bucks a year. That seems like nothing to get a really nice state of the art device. Even though I have loyalty to my things, as you and I have both talked about, it's still working. It's still working right. fine. Why would I abandon it? Because this guy's got fast reliability. Right. I'm doing that with my phone right now. My phone works fine. I've had it for a little over two years. It's a three-year-old model, but it's getting loose on the charger. So I'm like, okay, let's see what's out there. I'm very impressed. This is a lower end Samsung, but they upgraded the OS from version 12 to 13. You don't get that a lot. Usually they stay within the OS. And I'm like, what's out there? I went and looked and my screen is just as big as almost everything out there. I have just as much memory. and the cost of for the bigger ones is like a thousand. I'm like, I'm not paying a thousand dollars to get right. one more version of OS because honestly, Google Android OS versions are not so changed that I have to have the next one. That's right. As I mentioned, or whatever, multiple podcasts ago about the Worldwide Developer Conference, that Apple really does seem to add not only evolutionary, but revolutionary things once in a while. And so that's how they lure you to get the latest thing. And usually it isn't that only the latest thing can make use of it, but that that on the nicer screen, the faster CPU and stuff like that, it can be persuasive. And I don't know, $300 is America's sure why not point. Right. $100 is the, that's like, yeah. you know what I mean? That's like a T-bill. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Got to crack that. Right. All right. Okay, so, man. Uh, Okay, see you in a week. We're back on schedule. Yep, tell Colleen happy birthday. I will. Thanks. Always a pleasure. This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, RelentlessGeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and Go check out our YouTube page where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on geek topics of the week.